Hello, everybody, and welcome to the fifth episode of the Netflix and Swole podcast for Tuesday, September the 13th, 2016. I am your host, Caleb. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Dan. How's it going, Dan? Uh, a little depressed, honestly. Yeah? Yeah. I posted about it on Facebook last night because I'm a 13-year-old girl. I have issues right now, but I will soldier on in this episode for all of our listeners, and specifically you, Caleb, because you actually have to talk to me. Yeah. Just working through some stuff, or... Uh, big incident happened. I don't want to pry, but... No, uh, uh, incident happened, and I'm trying to work through it. Uh, I'm almost over it, but it kind of sucks, so. Well, sometimes all you can do is just keep pushing. That's what they said to my mom during childbirth. Heyo. They should have told your dad to pull out during intercourse. Believe me, he wished he did. I, of course, always practice safe sex and pull out every time. Without further ado, let's dive right into What's Your Swill? Caleb, because the miracle of my younger brother having just the worst alcohol possible, I I think I'm set for, like, the rest of my life on this show. Uh, I looked in the downstairs refrigerator, and what do I spy but a Miller fucking light? Now, unfortunately... Holy shit. Yeah. Unfortunately for the listeners, because I'm depressed, and I don't like drinking while I'm depressed, I will have only just one. I won't be getting uh, very toasty tonight, but that's just that's just my personal rule. I just don't want to get into that whole thing. Well, that's okay, because I think I've got you covered. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Caleb, what are you imbibing tonight? Well, I pre-gamed a little bit with... One of what I'm having now, which is a Yangling Lager from nice. a can, of course, because it always tastes better out of a can. Exactly. And chased the first oh. one of those down with one of those mini bottles of Jack Daniels in, nice. in a can of orange soda. This actually sounds pretty good. <laughs> it wasn't bad. I just, I just cracked open that Miller Lite. It's god-awful. Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. Like, I thought it was supposed to be water. This tastes like... I mean, according to the Miller can itself, it says, Inside is a fine Pilsner beer brewed with the highest quality ingredients. First of all, this tastes like no Pilsner I've ever tasted before. Well, and Second of all, it tastes like dirt. I think that the issue is that it says it's a fine Pilsner beer, mm-hmm. and I don't think I've ever had a Pilsner that was fine. There are some that are okay. Eh. That's what I that's what I was drinking for a while was Pilsners, and now I've kind of moved on to more hoppy beers. I've like I continue to escalate because in college we mostly drank Yingling, and then I got onto the gateway craft beer drug known as Blue Moon, and then that uh, <laughs> that liaised into Pilsners, and now I'm starting to drink more hoppy stuff. So yeah. Nick would be very proud of me right now. When I'm not drinking garbage, I like. A good lager, which mm-hmm. is what this yingling is, of course, as, you know, kind of a my old standby, mm-hmm. but I have to say that my favorite beers are porters. Like, really? I, I really enjoy a, a nice, heavy porter that's real dark, real heavy, and you almost have to kind of chew through it. How much mouth feels in the porters? It's very heavy. In the mouthfeel. Good, good. Glad to hear that. <laughs> you definitely know it's there. Now, Caleb, I, I don't want you to think I'm rushing you through this podcast, but I'm staring right now at my PS4 and Overwatch, the free trial is downloading, and I cannot wait to be able to play that later. Oh, yeah, it's the free trial weekend, of course, for that. So, I haven't played it yet. It, it looks like fun. It reminds me a lot of Team Fortress 2. Plus, like, League of Legends, which yeah. hopefully it isn't fucking as toxic as League of Legends, because dear God, do I hate myself every time I play that game. Oh, man. I used to watch you guys play that in college, and it just never seemed like anybody was having any fun. Nope. And I was just like, I never want to play this game, just because I see 
all of these people that usually are pretty nice just having such a profoundly negative experience with it. <laughs> you you did play one time, and it was because the character Nautilus, who looks like a big daddy from Bioshock, was free. Yep. So I had you play him, and I was just like, here you go, Caleb. Just just run with this. And you, you liked it, and then you were like, man, I'm having such a negative experience with this game, though, so I don't really care. It's an angel, Mr. Bubbles. <laughs> That's still that's still one of my favorite games ever. As far as first-person shooters go, which I'm not the biggest FPS fan, mm-hmm. I prefer, you know, strategy or kind of turn-based games like that. Right. But as FPS goes, that's definitely the top of my list is the original Bioshock. I still haven't gotten through all of that. Yeah, I remember the first time I played it, I was kind of freaked out because of the the contrast settings, because of how dark they make you have it. So it's play like you, it sort of it didn't sort of feel like it. It definitely felt like a horror game. It definitely feels claustrophobic. Oh yeah, it does a good job building a sense of dread. I think I'm one of the only people that really liked the second game a lot. Oh really? Yeah, you. It's a very mixed crowd on that. Yeah, it drops a lot of the horror elements, but it's it's more of a straight-up action game. Of course, you play as one of the big daddies throughout it. Mm-hmm. More to the point, a prototype big daddy from before they really nailed down the formula, I guess. So you're just this massive armored walking tank with a drill hand and just slinging lightning bolts and shit all over the place. And it's a lot of fun. It's... Definitely, you know, the action keeps driving throughout it, but there was also a DLC for it called Minerva's Den. Which I've heard nothing but rave reviews about. Which Minerva's Den, as like a short DLC kind of standalone adventure, is better than the full game. It's excellent. That's exactly what I've heard. It's like people talk about that DLC and... um... Undead Nightmare from Red Dead Redemption is, like, the two great DLCs. Oh, yeah. I would throw Lonesome Road for Fallout New Vegas in there, too. See, I never played New Vegas. I didn't really... I wasn't really into, like, the whole Bethesda genre of games. Like, I'm, the Elder Scrolls games and the Fallout games. I'm pretty sure... I've, I've played all of those. I love them. But I'm pretty sure that on Steam I have over 400 hours logged in New Vegas. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I've played that game a lot, you could say. <laughs> now, now, since we've hit on two of the Bioshock games, did you play Infinite at all? And did you like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like Infinite a lot. Okay. It's really... It's a departure, but... It's... feels really familiar. It definitely has the same kind of formula to it. I have not played through... The Burial at Sea DLC for that, which is where you actually go back to Rapture. Yeah. So it's kind of tied in with that, but not necessarily, because Infinite deals with the Many Worlds interpretation of quantum physics. Mm -hmm. So you're hopping back and forth between parallel realities, and events play out in the game like a character will die and then you'll hop through a portal and then that character is alive and somebody else died or whatever mm-hmm. so it, it gets real trippy and then you know at the end there's a big expedition about kind of what's going on yeah. and then Burial at Sea starts with you know the two main characters in Bioshock Infinite but it just happens that you're in Rapture instead. Mm-hmm. So it's a whole alternate timeline where pretty much none of those things happened. Yeah. No, I. It, that's the game I, I thoroughly enjoyed. It's just I only played Burial at Sea Part 1. I never got to Burial at Sea Part 2, which I hear that Burial at Sea Part 2 is more stealth than first-person shooter. Okay. So here's a really cool thing you might not have picked up on in Bioshock Infinite. At the end of the game where, you know, you're transporting between these different parallel worlds and you actually 
stop in Rapture from the original Bioshock for a little bit, mm-hmm. and you end up using one of the bathospheres. Yeah. So, in the first Bioshock, they said that the bathospheres were coded to Andrew Ryan's DNA, so only direct genetic relatives of him could use the bathosphere, and you just go in and, you know, she tells you to flip the switch, and you do, and it starts moving. So either the character that you play as is or, like, is an ancestor of Andrew Ryan from a parallel Mm -hmm. dimension. I just thought that was really cool. Because you don't necessarily think of it, but then when you kind of remember the first game, you're like, oh, holy shit, because that was you know, locked down where random people just couldn't do it. You had to be genetically be no more than a generation or two away. Huh, interesting. Because I never got that far in Bioshock, so I never really understood that rule. Or I never got that rule explained to me. Yeah, it's a, I think, a journal entry that you find. Ah, okay. The one scientist is talking about them locking down the city... And Andrew Ryan coding the bathospheres to his own DNA so nobody else could use them. But anybody who was pretty much in the genetic ballpark could still use it. Alright, well this has been Video Games and Chill. <laughs> Ooh, I have more video game news. Oh, go for it. I decided with Pokemon Sun and Moon on the horizon to start getting back into uh, breeding and training competitive Pokemon. Mm-hmm. And it was a bad fucking idea, because that's dominated my life again. <laughs> I've had to, I had to take a break, because I, I do plan on playing the, the competitive scene for Sun and Moon. It's just, I can't, I can't do all that for prior generations, and burn myself out on that before I even get to Sun and Moon. So I've just completely shut myself off from all Pokemon games until that, until that comes out, so... Yeah, uh, I won't be joining you in that in that escapade. <laughs> well, we should try to do a regional qualifier or something. See if we can get in and be Pokemon professionals. No, we can't. But yeah, we can try. We'll, we'll I might. try. I'm definitely gonna try. I, I have to find <laughs> something that's close. I think that would just be a fun thing to do. Yeah. Ostensibly, this is a Netflix podcast, so. Hmm. Let's get, into, <laughs> let's get into some Netflix news, because surprisingly, we have a heavy Netflix news week. Yeah. Let's lead off with Justin Timberlake concert. There's a Justin Timberlake concert coming to Netflix, I think October 21st, something like that? Finally. Just what we've always needed, a Justin Timberlake concert. <laughs> no, I like JT. I'm a big fan of JT. Oh, yeah. Is it October 21st? October 12th. I had the, the one of the two mix, mixed up. So oh, okay. That's, that's pretty early in October, actually. We got about a, we got about a month to that. It's on a Wednesday. Yeah, that's, re- that's, that's really strange. That's that it's on a Wednesday. Not very far away at all. Well, they add stuff all the time. I don't think they really have a specific day where they try to add things. Mm-hmm. Well, typically Netflix original shows come out on Fridays. That's just been their whole release schedule. But it's really interesting that it's coming out on the twelfth. I don't know. One of our listeners, Brentley Oliver, he was talking about it. Uh, he posted it on the Facebook page. So we wanted to definitely touch on that. And then he asked me if I would mind seeing Blink-182 have a Netflix concert. To which I said, you know, I, I feel like they're a band that kind of needs to be experienced live because the energy at those shows is just completely different when you're watching it live. So I wanted to actually extend the question to you. Because Coheed and Cambria is your favorite band, or so you say... Would you be interested in watching one of their concerts on Netflix? I definitely would check it out if, for whatever reason, they just happened to do one. But their live shows are just electric. Like, it's an insane just feeling of the crowd. I I definitely, like you were saying, I don't think that it would really convey what was going on as well. If it was just, you know, a video I could watch in the comfort of my own home. Mm-hmm. One band that I think would be pretty cool to watch do that would be, like, maybe, like, Cake or something like that. You know, something that's more of a kind of lighter, acoustic-y type 
stuff that you know you could just kind of put on and jam out to and yeah no i think i think this justin timberlake concert will be interesting and if it does well i think it'll open the door for more concerts so who knows who else could join in on this but this is definitely new ground for netflix and i'm interested i'm very interested to see where it goes i heard this week that hbo's releasing a new george carlin special oh yeah that was never aired before it's called something to the effect of i kind of like it when a lot of people die or something like that and the reason that it was never aired was that it was recorded on september 10th 2001 uh yeah (laughs) wow wow i mean of course i mean in the news we everyone i'm sure everyone has seen the YouTube video of that mattress company, or that mattress store. That oh, was yeah. Is that real? The, that's 100% real. Jesus. Be, yeah, that's not a joke. That's 100% real. The, and that store has been enclosed indefinitely. <laughs> it's terrible. It was terrible marketing. You, you can't do that. You can't. You can't do that. A lot of people have been pointing out that Chris Rock said in, like, 2014 that in, like, five years... 9-11 jokes will start coming out like it like be kind of socially acceptable I guess and here we are two years later yeah we still got two years to go I was I was definitely incredulous of that video when I saw it I really find it hard to believe that a company would a green light that ad and b that three completely separate people that work there would just be okay with acting in that ad. I well, if you can call it acting, but yeah, I can't I can't believe that. That was that was surreal to watch, honestly. Yeah. There's there's poor taste and then there's whatever the fuck that was. <laughs> Caleb, let's get back into some Netflix news with the build team from Mythbusters getting their own Netflix show. Hell yeah. This is it was kind of confirmed at uh what was it? It was either PAX or a Comic-Con of some kind where I think PAX just happened, so it was yeah. probably that. Uh where the whole t- the whole build team was at the panel and they basically said they were having a Netflix show coming out in December. Netflix still hasn't said anything about this, but I still figure it's kind of newsworthy considering we haven't seen these guys since they fired a cannonball through someone's house. <laughs> well, as a true Mythbusters fan, you know, Adam and Jamie are great and all, but I really always watch the show for their build team. You know, Tori, Grant, and Carrie are just fucking great. They're a joy to watch. They have so much chemistry together that Adam and Jamie don't really have because they actually hate each other. Yeah, that's... It's become more publicized now since the show's been off the air, but they, they, they hate each other, and that was something surprising to see. Which, it seems like that's probably more on Jamie's end, a.k.a. Dr. Robotnik. <laughs> because he just seems like he would be a really hard person to get along with. Yeah, he does. He seems and very dry. Adam just seems like he has that bubbly personality that almost everybody can get along with, except for somebody who's miserable and grumpy like Jamie is. But now I am definitely excited to check out what the show will be and see kind of if it's going to be the same kind of thing or if it's just them building a bunch of cool shit, if they take it in more of a Top Gear kind of direction. So Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see where that develops. Speaking of developing, Narcos, the show that I reviewed uh, one and one-tenth episode of last week, Got renewed for seasons three and four, pretty much immediately after season two was released last week. I'm going to have to check out that show. Yeah, that's up to you. It, it might be more your speed than my speed. That's that's great for the show. It's just something I don't know if I'll watch again. <laughs> okay, so what did we learn? We learned that if we're going to do drugs, we should do them at home where it's safe to do them together. Right, Todd? 
Don't worry, guys. I have this gun to keep us safe from intruders and each other. Wait, wait, wait. Is that just your gun-shaped lighter or your lighter-shaped gun? Busted. It's just a lighter. <laughs> Shit, I guess it's my gun. Then what did I do with my lighter? And what did I give to that baby? Hey everybody, this is Sinai from Little Geek Lost, and if you like random geek adventures, then you should totally check out my podcast. Mmm, <laughs> shirt chocolate is so good. Mmm, I'm hungry, but I don't want to get up to look for something. <laughs> right, what could I do? Oh, that's right, there's chocolate on my shirt. Matt, there's zombies like, right? Better eat the kids then. What if it's Bigfoot putting on the hoaxes? Bigfoot is like some genius. <laughs> Little Geek Lost, again, I'm on iTunes, I'm on Stitcher, I'm on everywhere. Just search for Little Geek Lost and you'll find me. This isn't fair. I don't have a gun. Sarah Lynn is right. You know, if we all had guns, then no one would need a gun and we would all be safe. Oh my God. I think we just solved the gun crisis in America. Let them eat guns! <laughs> Caleb, enough with the news. Let's talk about what we watched on Netflix. So we'll start with you. What did you watch on Netflix this week? Well, I got to check out the first episode of a Netflix original series called Between. Basically what's happening in this series is that it's centered in a town called Pretty Lake. And mysteriously, for no apparent reason, there is some sort of plague or something happening in this town and everybody who's over the age of 21 just starts dying just mysteriously like they'll be just fine in the middle of a conversation or whatever mm -hmm. and then they'll just start spitting up like blood and bile and then just fall dead huh. just like with no indication that they're sick or anything so I watched the first episode. It's definitely the episode is just kind of a setup to this story. Not a whole lot really happens character-wise, but it stars Jeanette McCurdy, who you might know as Sam from iCarly. Yeah. If you also had a little sister who watched iCarly. I, I didn't have a little sister, and I, and I know that. <laughs> well, she is all grown up now and she looks really good actually she's been all grown up for a while yeah i haven't really seen her in anything since you know she was a teenager basically she did margo in the despicable me movies but oh yeah i never saw those. other than that the only thing i ever really saw her in was iCarly so she plays a character named wiley in the show she's just kind of a teen high school girl and she's actually pregnant in the first episode nice so she's talking about kind of what she's going to be doing with her life as a teen mom and then in the midst of that this mysterious plague starts sweeping through the town so there's also there seems to be kind of a backstory to why she's pregnant like, it's not just that she got drunk at a party or whatever. It seems like maybe somebody paid her to be a surrogate mm -hmm. or something kind of shady might be going on. Someone wanted it a hasn't... teenager to be a surrogate? Yeah, it's real weird. I don't know because she meets up with another character kind of as this plague event is kind of ramping up. And he gives her some money, has her sign some papers, and says that she'll receive the rest of her payment whenever whoever he's representing has the baby. And mm -hmm. that it would be bad for her if she told anybody who the father is. So it's this big mysterious thing that, you know, they only kind of touch on in the first episode. Interesting. So all of the adults in the town die, basically. And at the end of the first episode, she actually starts having the baby. And there's no doctors in town. And the government imposes a quarantine around the town to keep everybody in, to keep whatever is happening from spreading. Right. So the only person that can help her deliver her baby is 
just another local kid who grew up on a farm and helped cows deliver babies and things like that. Right. So that's her midwife, basically. (laughs) (laughs) And she also has a sister in the show who is a super hardcore Bible thumper. And, you know, obviously she's a pregnant teenager and is kind of at odds with that. Right. And... Like I said, not a whole lot really in the show has happened other than just set up, but it seems like she's going to be the main focus, but there's also other things going on, like a sort of Lord of the Flies type scenario where the only people in the town are children, basically. Right. So they're going to create their own society where, you know, they can kind of just go and do whatever the fuck they want. Mm-hmm. But definitely for a first episode, it was decent. And this seems like the kind of thing that Vanessa might be into, so I might try to watch through it with her. Mm-hmm. How many episodes she is might it? Be. Uh, I'm not sure how many episodes. Oh, 12? 12? Okay. So, yeah, kind there's of a longer two seasons. Season. Oh! Interesting. Yeah. I think it's just, yeah, it's two seasons of six episodes, I believe. Hmm. Were they released simultaneously, or? No. Oh, so this has been, this is like an older show. No, it, the uh, first season came out last year, Uh and the second series of it just came out recently. Oh, okay. Interesting. What about you? What have you been watching? Uh, listener of the show, Patrick Sherwood, who, if you listen to the Epic Film Guys, you've heard his name before. He asked us on our Facebook page what we thought of F is for Family. Mm-hmm. So, uh, considering we're kind of in the doldrums between, you know, the Get Down and Luke Cage, I figured to ch- I could check out that show. It's only six episodes, and if you are into animated comedies, you should maybe check this out. Uh, it's from Bill Burr, and I fucking hate his style of comedy because it's just yell at the top of your lungs, and I got over that after I stopped listening to Dane Cook do his comedy shit. Oh my shit. god. Yeah, like, <laughs> and, like every high schooler, I liked Dane Cook, and then as I grew older, it was like, but this, this guy is just a good storyteller and he's yelling like he's not actually funny he's just very good at telling stories i think i was a little bit old whenever dane cook came out to really jump on that bandwagon Mm -hmm. yeah so i I, i'm very much against the whole i'm a comedian who just yells his jokes at people so it's it it stars Bill Burr. It also has Justin Long as uh, his eldest son. It's set back in the 1970s, so you know the whole housewife. Uh, so there, he's married to a housewife. She sells Tupperware as like a quote-unquote part-time job, but he doesn't like the father figure doesn't consider that a part-time job. The eldest son hates him, the middle son's a giant wuss, and the daughter's more of a tomboy. So he's trying to deal with a son who hates him, a son who is basically scared of his own shadow, and a daughter who, for 1973, fears that she will become a lesbian. So it's it's very dated, and I feel like it's kind of influenced by Bill Burr's childhood. I'm not sure I didn't do any real research, but... Six epi- I watched all six episodes because I'm a masochist and I hate myself. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 just an average, really average show. It's I we know it, when Patrick Sherwood asked what we thought of it. My initial impression was it looked like a Family Guy clone, and it basically is a Family Guy clone. Yeah, it seems like it's very formulaic. Yeah, it's just set thirty years in the past. So, I mean, if you like Family Guy and you like Bill Burr, check it out. But I. Uh, this isn't something you have to watch, in my opinion. Yeah, that's not something that I really had a strong intention of ever checking out. Mm-hmm. So, like, like I said, we're in the doldrums right now, so I figured I'd just check out something Netflix, or, some Netflix original. I also checked out the Truman Show. 
I posted on our Facebook page a list of IMDb's top 250 list of movies that were on Netflix right now, and Truman Show is one of them, and I've never seen that movie. So I decided to check it out. It's Jim Carrey in a more serious role, which this was pretty early in his career. Well, not early, but this was like after the original Ace Ventura. So this is still in like the prime time of his career, so you wouldn't think of Jim Carrey taking on a more serious role. This producer decides that he wants to start a show about a person as they grow through time. So it starts with six unwanted adoption, uh, unwanted pregnancies, all being born, and whichever one lines up with like the series premiere, that's the one they're going to go with. And it turns out to be Truman. So hmm. he has a fake mom, a fake dad, fake friends. Like like the entire world around him is just actors, and they're all housed in a dome, which is just this town called. Uh, I think it's Sea Haven. I could be wrong. Uh, it's it's basically an island. And early on, he shows a bit of wanderlust. Like, he wants to go explore the world. So, to curb that, so he doesn't want to escape the dome, they have his dad take him out on a, on a boat and then proceed to uh, kill off the father character by making it seem like he drowned. So, that way the kid has... That Truman has a fear of water. So he doesn't want to go over water on bridges. He doesn't want to take any boats out and try to try to leave this, the town. He also later in like his college years, he falls in love and like it's love at first sight with this this girl, but it isn't who the show's writers have him falling in love with. So they constantly try to like usher her away from him. Until uh, he finally gets a moment alone with her, and she starts explaining to him that his show, this his life is just a TV show. That's all a lie to him. Like it's just none of it's real. But then she gets carted off by her uh, quote unquote dad, who is just another actor, who saying he's just taking her to Fiji. So his main motivation through life from that moment on is getting to Fiji and finding her again because that's his one true love in his in his mind. Uh, he does eventually marry the the woman the writers want him to marry, but he's, I wouldn't say he's unhappy. He's happy, but there's still that, you know, what could have been with this other woman? Mm-hmm. So the, the rest of the movie is just about him finding out that he's living, a, he's living a lie because his father comes back and that starts to... The actor for his father comes back, but he looks like a homeless man so whenever Truman passes by him on the street it looks like a homeless man until he until you see the homeless man like turn and just continue to follow Truman as he walks by and then Truman recognizes him as his father and all of a sudden everything possible just starts happening to get in between Truman and this man as this man is carried away by uh, a woman in a business suit and I think like a trash man something like that so it's just really <laughs> strange to watch that devolve and that and he starts to question everything after that point because it's like well why did this even happen because that doesn't make any sense so it's just a story about a man figuring out that his life has been staged for him and coming to the conclusion of you know is my stage life good enough or do I want to move on to the real world where, you know, things probably aren't going to be so good for me. And it's a, it's a really interesting story. And I really, I recommend it for people because like I said, it's one of Jim Carrey's more serious roles. So it's very interesting to watch a minute. He does act like a goofball. I mean, like he is Jim Carrey still. So there's still instances where he's kind of off the rails, but it definitely shows that Jim Carrey had promise at least earlier in his career, of being a great actor. And I'm sure he's still a great actor now, it's just we haven't seen him very much recently. Yeah, the one more recent one with him that I really enjoyed was Yes Man, and that was, aside from just kind of being a goofy comedy, kind of in a similar vein as this, mm-hmm. I thought had some some poignant things to say about you know how how we should be living our lives and what's truly important. So that's definitely interesting, and that's... 
another one of those movies that always kind of fell through the cracks for me and never got to see it, so I might have to go back and check that out. Sorry, Truman Show or Yes Man? Truman Show. Okay, yeah. No, that's definitely something to check out, I, I would say. I also saw Yes Man, and it kind of inspired me to say yes to a lot of things, like start doing more things. And then I stopped because I'm me, but... <laughs> Yeah, so did you check out anything else on Netflix yourself? That's that's all I've really hit this week. Yeah, the main thing that I wanted to talk about this week, you know, as I've said before and say often, I really love, you know, martial arts, kung fu type movies. And I got to check out Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny. It is said... The swordsman will be remembered for 20 years beyond his passing. This is meant as praise. But I believe it to be a curse. The green destiny was lost years ago. Not lost, hidden. Is it as powerful as they say? In the right hand. It follows up directly from the original. It has Michelle Yeoh reprising her role as Yu Shulian. And, of course, Chow Yun-Fat's character is not in it. He's dead. Which, did he die, actually? Spoilers! No, he actually died at the end of the first one. Mm. I have never seen Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, so... Ah, it's really good. Is the original on Netflix, or no? No, I don't believe it is. Huh. I'll have to Amazon but, anal that. Yeah, it's definitely really good. It's a classic film. Yeah. And, you know, not really... It Like, it was made, you know, in China for Chinese audiences. And they didn't really expect it to be a big international success. Mm-hmm. And it really was kind of a surprise smash hit. Nice. But the sequel, of course, is a Netflix original. Um... It is directed by Wu Ping Yuan, who directed Kill Bill Volume 2. He directed Drunken Master with Jackie Chan. And also one of my favorite martial arts films, Man of Tai Chi, which I also would highly recommend. I don't know if it's still on Netflix, but I'll, I did watch it on Netflix when it was on there. I'll and take it a was look. really good. That's interesting. I didn't, I didn't know that Tarantino didn't direct Part 2 of Kill Bill. They they may have even co-directed it. I'm not really sure, mm-hmm. but or or no, he was the stunt coordinator oh. for Kill Bill Volume Two. I'm sorry. That's no, okay, idiot. Oh no, he actually acted in Drunken Master and Man of Tai Chi. Okay, you so that's to... interesting because he actually moved into a directorial role for this. I didn't know that. Hmm. Anyway, I liked this movie every bit as much as I liked the original. Storyline-wise, it's a lot easier to follow because the original kind of jumps back and forth between past and present events and follows a lot of different characters, whereas this one's more of a linear story. Right. So the main plot of this film is centered around a warlord named Hades Die, who is kind of conquering all these outlying areas and becoming a major threat. So, uh, Shulian and a handful of other kind of legendary warriors all team up and they, they call themselves the followers of the iron way, which basically means, you know, like the true, like the warriors, like the knights of the time that, you know, they do it because of honor and, you know, it's not that they're mercenaries for profit or anything. They're they're doing this because it's the correct thing to do. So they're trying to stop Hades Die because he's searching for the legendary sword, the Green Destiny, mm. which the first film was concerned with. And he has kind of another legendary sword that is really powerful, but if he ever would if he would ever get the Green Destiny he would basically be unstoppable. So they're trying to protect the sword and then also find a way to stop him. Mm-hmm. So 
it has a lot of the same kind of really elaborate fight sequences as the first one had. You know, it has the the wire fighting where people are jumping through the air, and they refer to it, I think, as like light step technique or something like that, where they're able to, you know, leap up the side of buildings and like jump across roofs and things because they can control their weight or like manipulate their gravity or something like that. Right. Doesn't really explain it a whole lot, but it's that kind of fantasy martial arts. It's not necessarily entirely realistic. It's more of like a legend. Right. You know, the the action is really good in it. But yeah, it definitely does a good job of capturing the spirit of the original and moving the story forward from there. I don't know if they're going to continue this series at all. The original film was based off of a book series, which was actually five books. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that story will be continued or if this was just kind of a one-off sequel. How, how long has it been since the original Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? Uh, it's been... One week since you looked at me. <laughs> I think I was in high school when it came out. It's been probably... Because this just came out this February. Mm-hmm. It was probably about 13 or 14 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Do they? Is there a time skip in it to explain why you know the main actress might look older? Not really like they kind of just pick it up with her traveling to this place where she's going to leave the green destiny where you know it's assumed that it'll be safe and she doesn't really seem to have aged much Mm -hmm. like she still looks pretty good in it you know despite you know she's i think in her 50s now oh wow but you know, she still does all the action scenes and everything and looks really good doing it. So, of course, she has a, a younger supporting cast. You know, there's this team of warriors that she recruits to protect the sword that are kind of all the, the old blood. And then there's some younger characters that, you know, one is another young woman who is her apprentice throughout the film that she's teaching her her fighting style too and everything Mm -hmm. and then there's another younger warrior who is a love interest for her apprentice who actually it it's one of the kids from glee vanessa pointed out to me which i thought that was kind of funny but he actually was in a real cool action role in this movie so it's definitely good it's definitely something that i would recommend i would probably throw a four and a half star rating on it wow very high praise from caleb yeah and this it's just kind of my niche you know i i love the the kung fu movies and everything so right now i have to ask how many cautionary tales of swords were played about the whole uh finding this legendary sword so it seems that this sword is exceptionally dangerous not only because it is a sword Mm -hmm. that will cut you fucking wide open but it supposedly was forged using a technique that was lost, and it's just able to basically cut through anything. Like, it, it basically is a lightsaber. So it's, it doesn't just slice babies in half, it slices everything in half. Yeah, like, he... At one point, they pretty much destroy a building with it. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> like, not like a wooden paper, like, pagoda-style building, right. but like a stone tower. Jesus. They're just like cutting pieces off of it. And like I said, the main villain Hades die also has a really cool legendary sword. Mm -hmm. And whenever inevitably it comes down to battle between, you know, the group of heroes holding the green destiny, because the sword actually changes hands at a couple points during the battle, which I thought was really cool. Mm. But And then Hades die, of course, has his own sword. But whenever those swords actually connect in their dueling, it actually, like, gouges into the blade of this other legendary sword. So it's basically just, like, the atomic bomb of swords. Jesus. 
Trip Fisk would have a fucking heart attack watching this movie. <laughs> Swords. Nature's hell sticks. They'll fucking slice a baby in half. Our first story deals with some pretty heavy shit. Racism. And you're racist if you think swords don't kill Asians, too. It's called Swords Fucking Kill Asians, too. Oh, and now I have a goddamn mustache. The Epic Film Guys podcast is a film comedy podcast with two best friends celebrating everything we love about going to the movies. We've got great beer, amazing guests, and quirky characters unlike anything you've ever heard before. Usually Nick makes me wait. He wants to try to give me cinema blue balls and make me wait until the night of the podcast. I will go so far as to say that I thrive on giving Justin cinema blue balls. I remember being a young man and my mother telling me I didn't have a name because I was illegitimate. I don't know what that word means. Well, I just assumed you were drinking that chocolate stout that you were going to make with the cheapest crap chocolate ice cream in a Miller Lite. I hide. I'm sitting here, and I'm hiding. I'm in the darkness. Subscribe to the Epic Film Guys on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, or your favorite podcast app, and we'll see you at the movies. Mail time. Oh, shit, it's from Frank again. Dear Mr. Fisk, please stop hiding paper bags filled with human feces in my sword shop. Please. Sincerely, Frank. Okay, Frank, you got it. I'll stop hiding paper bags filled with my shit in your store. Oh, shit, I lied again. So, Dan, as we are wont to do, I've watched... A real shitty movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's our one-star review, Caleb. We gotta yep. do it. So, the movie that we watched this week for our one-star segment is Blood Glacier. Yeah! <laughs> it's, it's a foreign language movie, but, like, is it... Are they Russian, or are they Scandinavian? Now, it's actually... It's an Austrian movie, and the original language was German. Wait, I... Okay. So, this is something like... I don't... Like, I think this still would have been not a very good movie. But I think that something that really made it... Like, tipped it to the point where I consider it to be a really bad movie is that rather than do subtitles, they had English speaking voice actors dub over all of the characters. Wait, you, you got dub? Yeah. Oh, you, cause you I watched got the sub. subtitle. Oh, well then maybe, maybe that's why I hated it so bad. Oh, that's, that's probably it. Cause yeah, mine was dubbed and the actors just, did not emote at all. <laughs> and like, of course it has the thing where none of their mouths moving match the dialogue. Right. But also like something terrifying will happen and an actor will be like, ah, look out. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I didn't know that. Yeah. No, subtitle I... in the original language was an option or else I would have done that. No, that's that's the way I did it, and I I look upon this movie far more favorably than you do. So that might oh, be yeah. a secret. Like that alone would have bumped it up to like a two and a half for mm-hmm. me. There was just no emotional connection between people talking and like what was actually happening. Right. <laughs> Man, I can't. Wow, I didn't know that was an option. I just God assumed damn. it was a foreign language movie that I had to watch in subtitles. I'm like, all right, fine. Nah, I guess I, it, I guess I don't ha- I can't look at my phone all that often because I actually have to read. Yeah, and that's man, for me watching this, I was like fucking around with my tablet the whole way through it because I was like I don't care what these people are talking about. Right. Because it was just that bad. 
Well, shit. Now I feel like we watched two completely different movies now. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so do you want to you wanna explain the plot, or do you want me to? Sure. Basically... Oh, fuck. What's the... What's the thing it says at the beginning? It's all about climate change. Like it's like yeah. they're they're just talking about climate change and there's there's this research team studying the effect of climate change on these glaciers yeah. somewhere. So basically at like the very beginning of the movie before it shows any characters or anything, it has just a screen that shows kind of a close up on like red blood cells. And it says something to the effect that by 2014, the worst parts of global warming had come true and all of this shit about, like, the the world's changing inevitably, like, at an exponential rate. Mm-hmm. And then something to the effect that, like, that fades out and then it says we will change. And then... It goes into a cold open of kind of background for this before it goes to the title screen. Right. So the basic premise is that it's this group of scientists at kind of an Arctic research outpost, you know, somewhere in northern Europe, I would assume. Yeah. But they're researching glacier movement and the glaciers are receding because of the effects of global warming and all of that. So, at the start of the film, they have a sensor array set up to kind of monitor seismic activity, things like that. And one of them stops working, or, you know, something happens to it, it's broken. So they have to go out and fix it. So, god damn this movie. Like, they they literally <laughs> go to where this sensor is, and it's just a glacier that basically it looks like it literally is a glacier made of blood. Yeah. Real quick, I want to talk about the title sequence because that was, honest to God, the worst title sequence I've ever seen oh, in my life. Oh, it's so bad. All, all it does is, like, show establishing shots that, hey, we're in a really cold area, and then puts, a, a, like, a giant blood-red filter over top of it. And it's like, hey, here's some ice that's now red with blood. Blood like, glacier. It, it, it reminded it was, me of from Metalocalypse, the Blood Ocean movie yeah. trailer. I just that 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 is honest to God one of the worst. I know who sequences. you are. <laughs> Blood Ocean. <laughs> yeah, that, that that title sequence was awful. But yeah, con- sorry. Continue with the with the the plot there. They take a sample of this red glacier stuff and take it back to the lab. Meanwhile, the main character has a dog with him at this outpost. And the dog gets attacked by something. It He thinks that it's a rabid fox because there's like sort of a desiccated corpse of a fox under the glacier. And it shows it briefly, and the fox is... Like, it, it's a really shitty, like, kind of creature effect. Like, it looks like a hand puppet, kind of. Yeah. But the yeah. fox is, like, kind of writhing in pain. And there's something kind of crawling around inside of it. Mm-hmm. And then the dog gets attacked, and the guy runs out with the dog. They go back to the research outpost after fixing the sensor array. And the one scientist there is checking out this sample from the glacier, and it ends up being some kind of microorganism that, for, you know, movie plot reasons, she's able to immediately determine is basically a cellular, like, DNA splicer and incubator. Mm -hmm. So what it does is infect other organisms and combine their DNA with whatever kind of DNA of creatures that it had eaten and like turns it into a new creature that gestates inside of the host and then hatches out of it. Mm -hmm. So they have kind of a woodlouse beetle fox hybrid. That's like the first creature that they find. So it turns into this 
from like a weird kind of climate change is going to kill us movie to just a creature movie. Right. And there's all kinds of different weird kind of like chimera creatures that are combinations of different animals that they're getting attacked by. Like there's a, some kind of falcon or bird of prey that gets combined with a mosquito or something and it's flying around and stabbing people. There's a bunch of smaller ones that are flies and whatever kind of insects that are swarming around people. Right. There's like the weird dog beetle thing. And there's another one that's an ibex, like a, like a bighorn, like ram basically combined with some kind of insect. Yeah. It was weird. The, the creature effects aren't that great. Like it's, it's all practical effects, which I appreciate, but it's not very good practical effects. So it's sort of similar to John Carpenter's The Thing, which is my favorite horror movie of all time. It's Mm -hmm. the first movie that ever really terrified me when I saw it when I was a kid. But it's that that sort of creature effect, but it's not as good. Right. Which is even more sad considering this is 30 years after that movie was made. (laughs) Right. I don't don't know. Like, it's definitely better than any of the other one-star movies that we watched, but... Oh, clearly. It's just... I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The whole... Like like I was saying before, the whole subtitle thing apparently made it better for me. So, I mean, like, if you feel like you want to rewatch the movie with subtitles, I'd recommend doing that, but not to the point where I recommend this movie to everybody. Like, this is... It's not it's not a great movie. This is a pretty okay movie to me. Like this is like Yeah, I could like throw this on if I wanted to just hang out with friends and watch some Netflix. Like it's not as bad as like a movie like Shockma is, but this it's it's kind of in that same vein. Like I feel like it's better acted with the original actors because, you know, they're actually there. It's not voiceovers, all that shit. It's you know, pretty well acted. You know, just watching fucking Chimera just rip through people and not good-looking Chimera was interesting, especially <laughs> considering I've never seen John Carpenter's The Thing, which I know is practically a sin. Uh, we're definitely, around Halloween, we're going to have to get together and we're going to sit down and watch that movie. This movie, I, I didn't. it didn't leave me with a sour taste. It was just kind of like, yeah, that was something I watched. So, yeah, this the this is probably the first one-star review that I can't give a one-star to itself. I, I definitely think this is a two-star movie, which, you know, isn't much of an improvement, but it's not it's not terrible if you and watch it I with subtitles. Even, even with the weird, like, language issues of, you know, them dubbing over it and it being really bad, I still just didn't really think that the characters acted like real people would. Like, it was just really weird and mm-hmm. kind of disjointed. And I think I maybe would have rated it higher if I would have watched it with subtitles. But unfortunately, you know, I didn't watch that movie. I watched the dub version, and <laughs> that's always going to be my impression of it. So Yeah. No, I understand. Like I said, it's, it it just felt like a, a movie that I put on, watched for an hour and a half, and was just kind of there. So, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily regret my time, but I definitely wouldn't do it again. <laughs> well, segueing off of one star reviews, Caleb, we got our first five star review on iTunes. Our first review, period, on iTunes. Well, I, also that. But this actually dates back to... Things are going to start happening to us now. Yay! This actually dates back to August 31st, before I figured out how to fucking check reviews on iTunes. (laughs) And it comes from our partners in crime, the Epic Film Guys. Which really just means Nick, because we know Justin isn't leaving reviews for people. Yeah, I don't think Justin really knows what's up. (laughs) I think he just kind of shows up. 
you know, they they give him some PBR, he does his funny voices, and he goes about his business. Yeah. Sometimes the McDonald's. Who knows? But, Nick writes this. Uh, he titles it, Two Great Friends, One Great Show. I really have to take my hat off to Dan and Caleb on the show. When they told me they wanted to do their own podcast, I was thrilled. But I had no idea they'd come out of the gate firing this hard. I like to think they learned from our podcast. We we did. Caleb admitted that when he said he made a <laughs> shitty version of Epic Film Guys. Well, yeah, but, that's that's the joke. <laughs> yeah, uh, but the fact is these these are two sharp guys with great insights on the Netflix universe, and this show is only going to get better. Hit that subscribe button and get on board now! Exclamation point. So thank you, Nick, for leaving a five star review. Yeah, thank you. And ladies and gentlemen. Don't forget, you can leave a review on iTunes. Just go to iTunes, search Netflix and Swill, or if you're subscribed to us, go to our show page through that, and leave a review, whether that's five stars, one star, or somewhere in between. And that's definitely the biggest thing that you can do to help us out. If you've been listening to the show, if, you know, if you're just one of our friends who's listening to it because you like hearing from us, or if you just kind of found us randomly and have been enjoying the show so far definitely that's the best way to help other people find us yeah is to leave us a review and you know even like we said even if it's a one-star review like we still really appreciate it yeah all i want is for this show to grow like reader repulses monsters like a weird dog beetle chimera <laughs> like a phoenix I have risen a fucking phoenix that will f- hunt down and destroy all swords will fucking destroy all swords I, I fucked that up I'm sorry you want to do it again you can cut no. it <laughs> we're leaving it because I'm an idiot so Caleb before we get out of here what are you looking forward to watching on Netflix this week like you said we're kind of in the the drought as it were I'm just still waiting for Luke Cage. I've been going back and watching a lot of Arrested Development and actually started watching The Get Down again. Nice. So I'm going to keep doing that and... Check out episode two if you want to hear our review of The Get Down. Oh yeah. That's definitely... The Get Down, it's not just because this year was such a disappointing year for cinema. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, it, it really is great. The Get Down, hands down, is the single best thing that I've watched this year. And don't forget, he watched Stranger Things, which everyone universally loves. So Yeah, I, I actually like The Get Down better than Stranger Things. It's close, but I would say, for me personally, The Get Down is better. And I, I'd have to agree with that, just considering that I've, you know, The Get Down is more my speed than Stranger Things is. So, But, of course, I gave... Both of those series of five-star reviews, so either one of them is a very high recommendation from me. Mm-hmm. Well, Caleb, I looked around on Netflix, and I wanted to watch... Last week on the show, you talked about how you watched Jaws. That's something I've still never seen, so I wanted to go watch that. I wish you had told me you were watching that, because I probably would have watched that last week, and we could have talked about it together, but that's whatever. Yeah, it was kind of a spur-of-the-moment thing. No, I understand. Last week I was super busy, so I actually didn't get to watch much of anything until Friday before we were going to record anyway, so of course I don't work Fridays, so I kind of just crammed in a couple movies and talked about them. Mm-hmm. I'm also going to check out Kung Fury. It's only a half an hour, so I figure I can squeeze that in whenever I really want to. Oh man, have you not seen it? No, not at all. Ah, oh, Kung Fury is great. Oh, I'm so excited. And I think, <laughs> and to continue on my trend of trying to watch at least one Netflix original per week, uh, I'm going to go with Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt for that. There you go. Well, so we'll see how we'll see how that works out for me. Yeah, I'll have to look through the originals and decide on what I want to check out for this week. Mm-hmm. Might actually dive into Narcos, I'm not sure. I don't yeah. know if I'll really have the time for that, and... Yeah, it's hour-long episodes, and it's like 10 episodes per season, so you may not even run through an entire season. Yeah. I probably wouldn't, but 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I might I might start diving into that. All right. Well, sounds good. Uh, Caleb, why don't you tell the people where they can find us? Well, you can find me on Twitter at C underscore LEB 2021. That's CLEB 2021. And you can also find the show on Twitter at Netflix N Swill, the letter N, and on Facebook if you search for Netflix N Swill. Right. Where can they find you, Dan? They can find me on Twitter at Dan of Action. Uh, don't forget you can subscribe to the show on iTunes. We are now on Stitcher Radio, so if Stitcher is your podcast provider of choice, check us out there. That's awesome. Uh, I'm working on others. I, I kind of have to talk to Nick about finding other services that he finds that people use, so people aren't just having to use the Podbean link. They can go to whatever their preferred podcast provider is right. and just download from there. Please leave us a review. Yeah. Please, 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 because then we can have more listeners. (laughs) Well, until next week, this is Caleb saying you don't have to go home, but we're not going to talk to you anymore. (laughs) 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 (laughs)